0: Uh, My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If you're new to Epic, I want to welcome everybody um, on campus today. For those of you that are tuning in online or in our live stream, thanks so much for taking some time uh, out of your day today to gather together on Sunday morning. Um, I get the privilege uh, to begin a brand new sermon series today, and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about uh, for the next four weeks. We're going to begin a new sermon series today called All About Jesus. Everybody say All About Jesus. And what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to unpack one particular book in the New Testament part of our Bible. It's the book of Colossians. If you don't know where that is, it's almost to the very back of your Bible. Um, it's, it's a little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. It's four chapters long, and we're going to unpack one chapter a week for the next four weeks, and we're going to talk all about Jesus. And I'm excited about um, kicking off that, um, that series today. So as you saw in that bumper video there just a minute ago, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to begin our service this way. I wanna invite you just to close your eyes for just a second. Let's go back to our childhood. Let's put our imagination cap on and let's just kinda imagine for just a minute, okay? Imagine that you were standing face to face with Jesus. Uh, Now, I don't know what Jesus looks like because I've never physically seen Jesus, but here's what I know. He's not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Southern California boy that we see in a lot of pictures today, okay? But just if you can, imagine Jesus standing face-to-face with you and imagine in that moment, what would you ask Jesus if you could ask him anything? Anything? And I want to give you 10 seconds just to ponder that thought because that's where we're going to begin today and that's where we're going to pack it, or we're going to we're going to unpack today. All right, you can raise your heads. So I think that if we had an opportunity to be face to face with Jesus today, I think we probably would ask him the same two questions at least that the Apostle Paul asked him when the Apostle Paul met him on the Damascus Road. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this letter to the church in Colossae. And we'll talk more about that in, in, in just a minute, okay? Uh, but the Apostle Paul's life was transformed and changed by Jesus when he met him face-to-face. And that encounter is recorded for us in the book of Acts, specifically in chapter 9 and verses 5 through 6. So here's where we get the two questions that we're going to unpack today, okay? When, When Jesus revealed himself to the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, the Bible says, and he said, this is the Apostle Paul responding to that encounter with Jesus, "'Who are you, Lord?' And then the Lord said to Paul, "'I am Jesus.'" whom you are persecuting. Then in verse 6, he says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The Apostle Paul would spend the rest of his life, if you know anything about the life of the Apostle Paul, which in a nutshell, uh, before he had this encounter with Jesus, he was against Christians. He did everything he could to put Christians in prison, to persecute them. He even uh, uh, even had one sentence to death, and he gave his approval while Stephen uh, was martyred. Uh, But he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. And he became what I believe is probably the greatest Christian in all of human history. We have most of the New Testament part of our Bible today because of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. But before he wrote his letters, he would spend the rest of his life answering those two questions to any audience that he had an opportunity to speak in front of, whether it was an individual, whether it was a small group, or whether it was. A, 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 a city officials or an emperor or a king, wherever the Apostle Paul went for the rest of his life, after that Acts 9 conversion, he spent the rest of his life answering those two questions to anybody who would listen to him. And, and what I want to do is unpack chapter number one today, because in chapter number one, he's going to answer those two questions. And what we're going to try to do over the next four weeks is answer those two questions from every single chapter in the book of Colossians. So I challenge you, maybe today or this week, uh, do a little homework and read ahead. It's four chapters. You can read through the whole book in probably 15 or 20 minutes. Let me encourage you to start getting in the book of Colossians this week as we begin this sermon series, and we unpack chapter by chapter, and we answer these two questions. So to give you a little bit of backstory about um, uh, the church in Colossae, let me tell you a little bit about the town of Colossae. We've got a map here that I wanna show you, okay? Uh, you'll see these are, are letters or, or churches that the Apostle Paul started in the known world at that particular time. So here's the church at Corinth, there's the church at Thessalonica, Philippi, Ephesus. Those are the New Testament books of the Bible that we have that he wrote. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first, second Thessalonians, those books of the Bible. So he Here is the town of Colossae right here. It's about 100 miles inland off the seashore of the Mediterranean Sea. It was a small uh, merchant town, uh, it's in an area of what we would call modern-day Turkey today. So this whole Asia Minor area, that's modern-day Turkey. And the reason that I want to show you that, uh, that map today is to help you understand that when we unpack things in Scripture, which we do on a weekly basis here at Epic, we're talking about real people in real places. We're talking about real events that happened at a certain period of time. So Colossae was this small merchant town that the Apostle Paul would have visited in one of his missionary journeys to help establish a group of Christ followers who had heard the good news of the message of Jesus Christ and had committed their life to following him. So if you can imagine sitting in the church of Colossae, which probably at that particular time met in somebody's home, We're going to talk about a guy by the name of Epaphras here in just a a few minutes because he's significant in the story. But if you can imagine that that somebody shows up at church one morning or one day when the church is gathered in Colossae and they say, guys, guess what? I've got a letter from the Apostle Paul to us. And that would be a big, big deal uh, to the church in Colossae when they received this letter that we have in the New Testament part of our Bible. Uh, it would kind of be like us today. Let's just say that uh, Billy Graham was still alive, okay? Billy Graham, in my opinion, is the greatest evangelist in all of human history. He's introduced more people to Jesus and shared the good news of the gospel message with literally hundreds of millions of people in his lifetime. But this would be like us showing up at Epic one day, and before Trent, our lead pastor, were to get up and speak or, or to begin our service, he would say, hey, church, I, I, I got to tell you something. I got a letter this week from Billy Graham to Epic Church. Wouldn't that be cool? And he said, I, I want to read it to you before we start today. And, he began to, and, and in Billy Graham's handwriting, it would say, dear Epic Church, don't you think if, if that were to happen, we would lean in a little bit? And we would want to pay attention about what this great man that we admire and revere and has done so much for the kingdom of God. What is it that he wants to say to us? Well, that's the significance of when this letter showed up at the Church of Colossae. Okay? It was a letter from the Apostle Paul who, uh, who was uh, uh, credited with, with establishing Christianity in the first century. By this time that Paul writes this letter, he's already completed his missionary journeys. He's an old man at the end of his life and he's sitting in a Roman prison uh, uh, and has been convicted for his faith in Jesus and for what he's done to advance the gospel. And he's about to face death. But before he dies, he sits down and he writes some letters, and you and I have those letters in our Bible, and he writes this letter back to the church in Colossae, and he sends somebody to deliver it to them, and the reason that he wrote this letter uh, was to teach a truth that had been replaced by a heresy. A heresy is simply a false teaching. Okay? And what had happened in the church of Colossae is that there were people who had come along and they had started to infiltrate the church with a with a humanistic belief system that was not consistent with what Christianity was founded on. So Paul writes a letter to them to explain what it is that they had heard and believed when the church was established about Jesus and why it's important for them to understand the truth so that they can learn how to live their lives and make impact in their world for the kingdom of God. And it's the same thing that is is really happening in our culture today. Uh, We live in a culture and a society where there are all kind of ideas about what's right and what's wrong, about what's true, about what's not true, about which faith system is the one that's right and we should believe and and practice and and, and all of that stuff. And even in the church of Colossae, there was some Jewish converts to Christianity who started to revert back to their Judaism and saying, you know what, if I'm really going to be acceptable to God, I still got to keep the Old Testament law. I've still got to obey the Sabbath. I've still got to uh, uh, do everything as it relates to the festivals and the feasts and, and all that stuff. And there was another group of people that said, you know, there's no way that God could be a man, that God could become all God and all man at the same time. There's no way that this guy named Jesus that everybody's uh, following and talking about, there's no way that he could be God. God would not lower himself to the, to the status of being a human being. And so we're just going to worship uh, things that we don't really know. We're going to worship the stars and we're going to worship the universe And we're going to worship angels. And as you read through the book of Colossians, you'll see why all of these things began to creep in and why it was necessary for the Apostle Paul to write to them to help them stay focused on the truth and help them understand what's most important. Uh, Even today... In 2022, all over the world, especially in the United States of America where we live, uh, there are a lot of people who do not know who Jesus is. There are a lot of people that don't know about the, uh, the finished work of Jesus for, for all of, of humanity. So for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack this little book of Colossians because what the Apostle Paul does is teach us who Jesus is. Before we dive into chapter one, let me just give you a little bit of a disclaimer today, okay? Uh, Number one, um, our message today is primarily for Christ followers. So if you're here today and there's been a moment in time where you've said yes to Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, you've invited him into your life to help you do life, And you've asked Him to write your name in His reservation book in heaven for all of eternity when your time on this earth is done. Uh, Today's message is primarily for, for those of us who are Christ followers. Um, If you're not a Christ follower today, we're super glad that you're here. We want you to know that Epic is a safe place where you can show up just as you are. And if you're exploring faith, you're exploring church, maybe you're going through something in your life that is causing you to kind of check out some different things, uh, here's what we hope for you. We hope for both groups that by the end of our time today and by the end of our series, that we will have a very clear understanding of who the biblical Jesus is is. And then as far as it goes in your relationship with him, I can't change you, I can't save you, but I can point you to the one who can. And so what we want to do today is unpack this guy named Jesus and help us understand who he is so that we can learn how to live our life in relationship to him or decide whether or not if he's somebody that we want to continue to check out and, and, and follow um, in our uh, in our daily life, okay? Uh, so having said that, let's dive into to Colossians chapter number one, okay? And a logical question to begin with is, well, Pastor Brian, this was written in the first century over 2000 thousand years ago. Why is this important for us today? Uh, The reason the book of Colossians is important for us today is because what was going on then is going on now in our culture in a lot of ways. And we need to understand that what we believe determines how we're going to behave. You show me what you believe and I'll tell you how you're going to behave. Show me what you believe about money and I'll tell you how you're gonna behave about how you spend money or how you save money or how you invest money. Tell me what you believe about relationships and the importance of relationships in your life and, and, or, or the, the non-importance of it and I'll tell you how you're gonna relate uh, to the people in your life. Uh, tell me what you believe about work and why that's important and I'll tell you how you're gonna work, what, what your habits are going to be on your job, because our belief always, always, always translates into our behavior. And right off the bat, the apostle Paul uh, lays a foundation for what he's going to talk about. And right off the bat, he says we can know who Jesus is and we can know what he wants us to do. So let's look at Colossians chapter one and verses number nine and 10 first. Paul starts this way, he says, for this reason also, what he's talking about there is because of what Epaphras, who we're going to talk about in a minute, has taught you about Jesus and because of what you've heard and because of what you've received and because of how you've started to live for the kingdom of God, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Paul says right off the bat, we want you to understand and to know who Jesus is so that it translates into your behavior because what he says in verse 10 is, so that you may walk. That word walk there literally means behave or live out, okay, so that you can live out uh, a calling worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing into the knowledge of God. So Paul says we can know who Jesus is and we're praying for you, we're cheering you on, we wanna remind you who Jesus is so that it translates into your behavior so that you can live a life that makes an impact in your world for the kingdom of God, okay? Uh, and the reason it, it matters to us is because we need to know what we believe so that when we go out and live our lives outside of the walls of, uh, of the church, so to speak, when it comes to the building and the structure that we meet in so that our, our belief system can affect the way that, that we behave. And Paul lays a foundation in the first six verses about what it's really all about. And he says, you know what? At the end of the day, here's what we want you to know. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Matter of fact, look at what he says in verse one. He says, Paul, an apostle of who? Christ Jesus. By God's will and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God, our father. We always thank God, the father of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the story of Jesus. It's it's the good news of Jesus, the gospel that has come to you. It, the gospel, is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day that you heard it and recognize God's grace in truth. So he says right off the bat, as he introduces himself, hey, just want you to know, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I want to remind you who Jesus is so that you can know who he is and it can translate into the way that you behave and the way that you live your life to make impact in your world. So that's what we're going to do for the next four weeks. We're going to answer the question, Lord, who are you and what do you want me to do? So let's start with the first question. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I want to answer to the, the question today from uh, Colossians chapter number one. because I believe this gives us one of the greatest biblical pictures of who the person of Jesus Christ is. First of all, Paul says in verses 13 and 14 that Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He says, he, that's God, that would be God the Father, the Godhead of the Trinity. It says, God has rescued us. That's, he's talking about people, us. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. It's really important that we realize and understand, church, that God has done something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And what God has done for us is he has saved us from the kingdom of darkness and offered us an alternative, his kingdom of light, through his son that he loves. And then he goes on in verse 14 to say, in whom... Talking about Jesus in whom we have redemption, which is the forgiveness of our sins. That word redemption means that God bought us back uh, from slavery to sin. He paid the sin debt uh, that we could not pay. Okay, So he says that Jesus is the savior of the world. And this is something, church, that we need to realize and understand that a lot of people that we hang out with on a daily basis and a lot of people in our culture, they don't believe this about Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Matter of fact, a lot of people in our culture and our society think that that is an an egotistic, self-centered Jesus. Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, that's a pretty big, bold statement to make. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus proved it. Jesus pulled it off. And and a lot of people don't want to think of themselves the way that the Bible says that we are. Uh, The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that we're all sinners, I'm a sinner. anybody else here, sinner? All right, I am a sinner because I make mistakes. I, I, I do things that are uh, that are disobedient to God. I break God's heart sometimes in the things that I allow to enter my mind, the things that I speak from my mouth, my actions, and my attitudes toward other people or maybe somebody in my family. Why? Because I'm a human being and I'm a sinner. And that word sinner means I'm not as perfect as God is. God is the only. One who is perfect. And sinners need saviors. And and I'm so grateful that the Bible tells us that Jesus is our Savior. And the choice is up to us as to whether we want to be forgiven of our sin. Matter of fact, listen to what uh, Romans chapter three, same guy, the apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Colossians, wrote to the church in Rome. He's still sitting in the in the jail cell, chained to a Roman, centur- uh, Roman centurion at the end of his life, and he's writing letters, and he writes to the church of Rome to remind them, in verse 23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because God's word is true and timeless for all people, for all time, we can put our name right in there, okay? For all, we are sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They, sinners, uh, are justified freely by his grace, by God's grace. It's a free gift. We can't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. Salvation that he's made available through Jesus is free. They are justified freely by his grace through who? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For the payment that is made in Christ Jesus. I know of no other world religion or world faith system that boasts what God has done for man other than Christianity. Every other faith system that you'll discover or maybe or practice out there has something to do with what you as a human being have to do in order to gain a relationship with, with God. And it's based on works. Christianity says that that won't work because you're sinners and, and, and you're not perfect. And God says, so, but that's okay because I've already made a way. I've already worked it out. I'm going to send my son Jesus to this earth to show you how to live. He's going to live a perfect life. He's going to shed his perfect blood on a cross, and it's going to be the payment that I'm going to accept for the sins of mankind if you will say yes to me and accept that payment. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. Um, I can't save anybody here because I'm not perfect and I'm a sinner. But what I can do is use the gift that God has given me to help point you to the one who can save you. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here's what we want you to know at Epic. We want you to know God loves you more than you could ever imagine or dream. We want you to know Jesus died on a cross to pay your sin debt. And if you'll place your faith and trust in him, uh, you can be forgiven of your sins You can have assurance of a home in heaven in eternity, one of these days, an eternity future. And you can have an advocate, that word means a helper, to help you navigate the difficulties and struggles that we face every day in life. I don't know about you, but I want all that I can get. Third thing we want you to know is we care about you. We want you to know who Jesus is. So he answers right off the bat that Jesus is the savior of the world. But then he he goes on to say that Jesus also is the creator and the sustainer of all things. He's the creator and the sustainer of all things. Look at verse 15. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, because by him, by Jesus, everything was create, created in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He says he is the creator and the sustainer of, of all things. Again, we live in a culture and a society, church, that does not believe that. Because what we teach our children in our school system is contradictory to what the Word of God says about who He is, how we got here, what life is all about, and how we're getting out of here and where we will spend eternity. And I'm not a, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I have some questions about the theory of evolution that most people in our culture and our society believe today. And, and just from a, from a logical standpoint, there are just some questions that I, that I have about this idea of, of, of evolution. Uh, the first question I have is that why is the word theory in the explanation of what it's really all about? Because when you think in terms of a theory, what the word theory really means is this is what we think? Well, I'm, we're really not sure. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this, but in Charles Darwin's original theory of evolution statement, he put a disclaimer in there that said, at any point in time, th- this could be proved wrong. And if it's proved wrong, I'm okay with that, is basically what, what he said. And you can research that and find that, find that for yourself. So at the end of the day, I'm not so sure how much confidence I want to put in a theory that people believe about who God is, how we got here, what life is all about, and, and, and where I'm headed and, and where I'm going. And what, what evolution says is that at some point in time in the past, there was a, a large explosion. It's called the Big Bang. And out of this large explosion, there was produced... The cosmos and the universe and the world and the planet that we live on with all of its intricacy, with all of its delicacy, with all of its um, uh, organization and order that came out of a a, a big bang. Well, if that's true, then again, I just have some questions. Number one, where did the, the bang, what was before the bang? And what evolution says is, well, there was nothing before the bang. Okay? So, so let me get this straight. There was nothing that caused something. Is that what you're telling me? Yep. That's, that's what they're going to say. Okay? There was nothing that caused... So the next question I have is then, where did I come from? Where, did, where do human beings come from? And the answer in evolution is, well, salt water made us. Is basically what, what it teaches. That the world began to evolve and... Salt water was formed and evolved, and, and out of saltwater, a, a blob of molecules washed up on a seashore somewhere, and it began to evolve into a species and then it became an animal, and an animal became a, a monkey, and a monkey became a man and and now we have, we have human beings because the universe has ha, ha, has evolved again i 'm not a scientist, but I, I just I just have some some questions, so, so logically thinking, nothing caused an explosion that created and produced the order that produced the salt water that made me is basically what evolution teaches. And again, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but um, I have blown up some things in my day, okay? Especially as a teenager. You give me a box of M80s, some Tannerite, some rifle shells and a .30-06, and I can blow up some stuff because I've done it. And never, ever, ever in any of the things that I have exploded has there ever, ever come any kind of order out of the explosion. So that's a reservation, and that's a question that, that, that I have. The second thing is I, I, I'm, I'm, I've never seen God I'll profess, I've never physically seen God. I've never laid eyes on Jesus Christ in, in the flesh. But it takes a whole lot more faith for me to believe what evolution teaches about me than it does for me to believe what God says about me. It takes a whole lot more faith in me to, for me to believe what, uh, what, what is permeating our culture today than it does what God says about me. See, in the very first sentence of the book, in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm just crazy enough to believe that, church. That makes a whole lot more sense to me than what's being taught in our culture and our society today. And if, let me just, let me just say this. If you don't believe this right here, none of the rest of this book is going to make sense to you. None of it's going to make sense to you if you don't believe the first sentence. And what's amazing to me is that the God of the universe who created everything that we experience every day and know about our world, our cosmos, our universe, our galaxy, our Milky Way, our earth, our planet, our country, our state, our city, the majesty of everywhere that we go, the God who created that is personal enough and intimate enough that he knows every single thing about you and I. Matter of fact, um, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, he said, for it was you who created my inward parts, talking about God, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless and all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. If human beings... We're created unique in the image of God. And all we have to do is look around the room today to see how much God loves variety and how we're created differently. And and when you think in terms of our physical bodies and the way they function and operate and heal and mend, and we're able to do things with the body that are just w- would literally blow our minds, if, if we believe that God created us intricately and, and orderly as human beings, why is it hard for us to believe that creation was created the same way? And Paul says to the church in Colossae, because there were people who were worshiping angels, and they were worshiping the cosmos, and they were worshiping the stars and the heavens, Paul says, You're getting it, you got it all wrong, remember, Jesus, he is the creator and he is the sustainer of all things. So he's the savior of the world. He's the creator and the sustainer of all things. And number three, he says, Jesus is the head of the church. This is for those of us who are Christ followers. Verse 18, he says, he is also the head of the body, the church. Uh, On many occasions, as you read the narrative in scripture about Jesus of Nazareth, especially in the first four or five books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you'll find that many, many times Jesus said to his followers and to his audience, follow me. Just follow me. Do as I do. Let me show you the way. Let me lead you. Let me help you. Let me serve you. Let me guide you. Just follow me. And, and when we follow Jesus, we are acknowledging that he's the leader. He's the head. He's in charge. Uh, we're we're going to do what he, he, he wants us to do. And something that I've observed in, in a church uh, in my lifetime When I talk about the church, I'm talking about the big C church, especially in in Western civilization, is that just because you say you're a Christ follower does not mean that you're following Jesus. Because there's a whole lot of people sitting in church today who say they are following Jesus, but their behavior doesn't translate that they're following Jesus. That goes back to that belief and behavior thing. Because what you really believe will determine how you will behave. The Apostle Paul said some stuff about this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number four, verses 15 and 16. He said, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him, that's Jesus, who is the head, Christ. From Him, the whole body, talking about the body of Christ. The whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Basically what the apostle Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus there is that if you're a Christ follower, you are part of the body of Christ and you are valuable. You are needed. You are special. You are important regardless of what your gift, your talent, your personality is. If you know Jesus, Jesus, you're part of the body. We need you so that the body can function the way the body was supposed to function. But at the end of the day, the body follows the head. And Jesus is the head of the church because whatever doesn't have a head is dead. My daddy used to say, if it doesn't have a head, it's a freak. That's what my daddy used to say, okay? So so if it doesn't have a head, then we're not gonna know where to go. And Paul says, you need to remember, Jesus is the head of the church of the church. And before we can answer the question, the the second question, what do you want me to do, Lord? We have to decide what it is that we believe about the first. Who are you, Lord? So let me ask you a question today. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? I'm convinced that the solution to our problems in our world that we're facing, and they're varied in many. All you gotta do is turn on news or a podcast or wherever you get your stream of, of information from, and you'll see very quickly, we're in trouble. There's a lot going on in our world that um, doesn't make sense. And I'm convinced that the solution to our world's problem is not a politician. It's not a political party. It's not a social economic guru. It's not a financial um, uh, expert. Um, It's it's not a social change that, that needs to happen. The problem that we experience in our world today is a spiritual problem. And it can only be solved with spiritual solutions. And it has to begin with us. It has to begin with God's people because everywhere in scripture where there's a mess going on in culture and society. And, and by the way, church, here's what we need to know and understand. This book is written for, 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 for relative current events. A lot of people think this is just a religious book that we set aside and it only has to do with our faith. This book from Genesis to Revelation, especially the Old Testament part of our book, and the New Testament narrative about Jesus is all about people responding to their culture, thus saith the Lord from God's perspective. What does God have to say about what we're facing and what we're going through? And here's what I know. Every single time, 100% of the time when God's people turned their hearts back to God, God responded and delivered them from what they were going through in their culture and their society every single time, and I'm just crazy enough to believe that if he did it then, the Bible says he's the same, yesterday, today, and forever, that he can and wants to and will do it today if we'll make it a priority to understand and know who he is and live it out every day in our world. Woo! Jesus is the head of the church. It's his church. We are to follow him. So here's our second question. Lord, what do you want me to do? He's answered the question, who are you, who are you Lord? You're the Savior of the world. You're the creator and the sustainer of all things. You're, you're the head of the church. You're the head of the body. Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? When you think of our culture and our society, here's, here's what I know. We can't keep doing the things we've always done. And expect a different outcome. Because we're losing ground to the enemy, folks, really quick. And we're losing territory. And it grieves me. It grieves me as as a Christ follower and as a pastor in the local church in the United States of America. It grieves me that on our watch, and I'm not casting stones because I've been a part of the church all of my adult life. And there's been things in my life that I have done that God has shown me that I've had to repent of recently and ask God to forgive me. But it grieves me that on our watch, we have presided over the largest single falling away from a biblical worldview than any time in the history of our country. And that grieves me. So we have to understand, what do we do? How are we gonna make impact? What difference are we going to make for the kingdom of God? I told you I was going to talk about that guy by the name of Epaphras. In verse 7, he's introduced to us. Paul says, you learned this, talking about the story of Jesus, you learned this from Epaphras, our much-loved fellow slave, which means he probably spent time in prison with the apostle Paul because of his faith in Jesus. He is our faithful minister of the Messiah on your behalf. And he he has told us about your love in the spirit. Uh, We don't know a lot about this guy by the name of Paphras, but here's what we know. He was an advocate for Jesus in his community. Because he had introduced many of the people who made up the church of Colossae to Jesus Christ. And we know that he was a fellow slave. We know that he was a faithful minister. We know that he was a servant of Jesus Christ. We know that he was a prayer warrior from another reference in scripture. And we know that he was a hard worker. So what are we going to do? We need to take a page out of Epaphras' book as far as I'm concerned. And we have to decide if we're going to have the courage to be advocates for Jesus where we have influence. Think of where you have influence in your life, any kind of relationship that you have at work, at home, in your community, at school, in college, uh, wherever you have influence in your life is an opportunity for us to be advocates for Jesus. And Colossians 1 verse 24, Paul says it this way, now I rejoice in my suffering for you and I. For I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, that is the church. I have become its minister according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known to all those among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he says, we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. In verse 29, he says, I labor for this. I strive with his strength that works powerfully in me. So what does that look like in our daily lives? Let me give you four words real quick. We need to learn to watch. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to think and we need to act. Watch, listen, think, and act. We have to understand what's going on in our culture, and our society, if we're going to have any impact in it. And I'm afraid what we've done for too long is we've detached ourselves from everything that's going on and we've lived in our holy little huddles and we've come to our little church meetings and we've done our little religious thing and we've checked a box. And as a result, church, we've made very little impact in our culture. So we gotta change. And we've gotta watch, we've gotta listen, we've gotta think, we've gotta act according to this book relative to the current events that are going on in our world. And Paul tells us right off the bat, it's not going to be easy. Matter of fact, in verse, number 20, um, in verse number 28, he says this. He says, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Then in verse 24, he says, now I rejoice in my suffering for you. You know what? I wish that wasn't in there. You mean serving Jesus is hard? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, God never told us that it would be easy. That's a lie that we have believed for too long. God never told us that serving Jesus and living for Him was going to be easy. He says, we, we warn people and we teach people. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Brian, does that mean I got to talk to my friends and my family about Jesus? I hope you do. Well, they'll think I'm weird. That's okay. They already think you are weird, or just like they think I'm weird. We just have to decide if we're going to be advocates for Jesus or not. And if we're going to be advocates for Jesus, we have to start talking about Jesus. So let me arm you with one phrase as we close today. I want to arm you with one phrase that I hope will give you an opportunity to talk to somebody this week about your relationship with Jesus. And it's these three words. Can we talk? Hey, can we talk? I'm going through this and I just want to share with you how my faith has helped me in that. Or I've noticed maybe that um, you're kind of sitting by yourself today at work and just wondering, can I pray for you? I don't know what your circumstance or situation may be, but those three words right there I have found have opened amazing doors to have conversations about faith and about Christ and our relationship with Him. So the final question for today is is do the people around you where you work, in your neighborhood, where you go to school, the ball field where your kids play, do they know what you believe about Jesus? If not, why not? And a great question that you can ask yourself today and a great question better yet that you can ask God today is to ask Jesus just to give you a fresh revelation of of who he is and how you can use your impact and your influence to make a difference where you live. We're going to close a little bit different today than what we normally do. I'm going to invite Matt to come back out because um, uh, Matt is uh, way more responsible for this than I am. But one of my favorite worship songs of all time is called God of the Ages. And the reason I love it is because it's right out of Colossians chapter 1. And here's what it says. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. He is the first, the last, the one who matters most. He is the creator, ruling sustainer of all. He holds it all together. He is the word of God, the hope for all the world. Sound familiar? Right out of Colossians chapter number 1. I asked Matt to take that song and kind of put his own personal spin and twist on it for us at Epic. And he did an amazing job. I love it. So he's going to sing the first verse and maybe part of the chorus. And just want to invite you to stay in your seats as a time of reflection for just a few moments while the words come up on the screen. And maybe this is a time where you can have a conversation with God and you can say, God, would you give me a fresh revelation of who Jesus is? And would you show me how I can be an advocate for you this week? And if you ask God those two questions, I believe he will, give you, he will answer. He will give you an opportunity to be an advocate for him. And then at some point, uh, Matt may ask you to, to stand and participate in the rest of the song. He's got some powerful lyrics, and I would encourage you uh, to take it all in today. So let me pray for you, and then he'll begin. So God, I come to you today. Thank you so much for your true word that always points us in the right direction, that answers the questions that we have about you. Uh, Jesus, uh, I can only speak for myself. I declare and believe today that you are my Savior and Lord. And I'm so grateful that you stepped out of heaven and you came to this earth and you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. And God, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice, either watching online today or in this room, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day when they would exercise a measure of faith and say yes to you and invite you to come into their life. Jesus, I believe you're the creator and the sustainer of all things. And I thank you that you made me, that you fashioned me in my mother's womb and you knew everything about me when with all my faults and my failures and my hurts and my habits and my hang-ups, you still love me unconditionally. And nothing can ever separate me from you. God, if there's somebody here today that needs to understand that afresh and anew, I pray in this moment you would invade their life. Give them a fresh revelation of who you are. And Jesus, you're the head of your church. Oh Lord, our desire is to follow you. It's not about us. It's about you. So give us opportunities to follow you into our world today. To be advocates for you and for your kingdom. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.